Welcome, everybody. I am so glad you're joining us, especially today, because not only are we kicking off a new message series, but today we are actually beginning what we're calling phase two of our Regather for Corporate Worship plan. And what that means is that while we can't gather in large groups on our campuses quite yet, we are gathering in small groups all across our community to worship together on this Sunday, and I'm so glad that you're here for that. Uh, Of course, another big part of phase two that I'm excited about is our uh, night of worship and baptism celebration, and uh, shared a little bit with you about that this past week, but I just wanna let you know, we have a date, we have a place, we have a time, and we are ready to go. We're gonna be gathering in person, outdoors, as a church family, two weeks from today. On Sunday, August 23rd at 7 o'clock at the Aiken Fairgrounds. And I'm so thankful that we were able to secure this facility because not only is it centrally located for all of our campuses, but it has a tremendous large open field where we'll be able to gather our whole church together, safely, socially distanced, but at least in person, and at least we will be able to worship and celebrate together. It's going to be an exciting night. And you know, I'm so thankful that after 20 weeks of not being able to gather in person as a church family, that the first time we get to do this, that we're not gonna have to do this scattered out among three different campuses, but we're all gonna be able to come together as one church to worship. It's going to be an amazing night, and I'm really hoping that you'll be a part of that. Also, maybe if you've been considering taking a next step, Uh, of your faith in baptism and you would like to be baptized uh, at that uh, night of worship, uh, there's a link that's being posted right now in the chat feature uh, for you to sign up for that. You can also do that through our app or our website. It's going to be a great night and I hope you'll be able to be there with us. So, So let's jump in on this new series. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever stopped to really just think about faith, like what faith really is, where does it come from, how do I get more of it? Have you ever wondered why some people seem to have this deep, strong faith that gets them through everything and some of us find our faith falling apart the minute we hit even the smallest little obstacle? Or, Or how about your faith? Is it where you want it to be? Do you have the the deep faith that you have been looking for? Are you finding yourself having some need to grow your faith? You know, I I don't know the answers to all those questions, but there are two things I know about the depth and quality of our faith. One, that it is a journey, not an event. We don't receive a deep faith the moment we uh, give our lives to Christ or get baptized or join a church family. It's a lifelong process of step-by-step drawing closer to God and trusting Him more. The second thing I know about a deep faith is that it is built on choices. Every day I'm making choices that are either leading me to God or away from Him. 
choices that help me trust him more or choices that help me trust him less. And in this series that we're calling Step by Step, we're gonna be looking at some of those choices. I call them choices that change everything. Notice what the Bible says about that in Deuteronomy chapter 30. God says to us, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Do do you see that imagery in that verse of choices that lead to life and those that lead to death? Choices that lead me to a deeper faith, to trust in God more, or choices that lead me away from him? I know every day I make choices. I choose to either love God or love myself. Every day I choose whether I'm going to listen to God's voice or to the voices in the culture around me. Every day I make choices whether I'm going to hold fast to him when the storms hit, or am I gonna try to hold on to the temporary things of life? I think if there's one thing this pandemic has provided for all of us is an opportunity to do a faith check to really look honestly at ourselves and to look at the depth and quality of our faith to see what is it we really trust in? What are we really placing our faith in? And I don't know about you, but there've been a lot of times over this last four months that I've been reminded of those words that God spoke to King Nebuchadnezzar when he said, you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found lacking. And there are things in my faith that have been found lacking, weak spots that that need some work. And I'm betting that that's probably the case in your life. And that's really what this series is all about. But I want you to hear my heart. The goal of this series is not to beat you over the head uh, because of the places where your faith has been weak or you haven't done things that you needed to do. The goal of this series, my heart in this series is to offer hope and encouragement to all of us, including myself, to know that wherever you are in your faith journey, there's a next step for you, a step that can move you closer to God, a step that can take your faith deeper, a step that can get you closer to the life God created you for, that full and abundant life that Jesus promises us. But that life doesn't come from just gathering once a week in a church building and singing hallelujah. It doesn't come from, you know, feeding the hungry or helping the poor. It doesn't even come from just studying the Bible. It comes from a daily commitment to do the next right thing, to take the next right step that God is leading you to. And so today, as we start this journey, I wanna look at one of the most important steps we can take towards a deeper faith, and that is to own it, to own my faith, to take responsibility for my faith journey, because nobody else can do it for you. 
I mean, your parents can point you in the right direction, but they can't pass their faith to you. As your pastor, I can teach you and lead you and encourage you in your faith, but I can't live it out for you. Your church friends, your home group, they can walk with you on your faith journey, but they can't walk for you. See, wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you're a curious seeker or a brand new believer or a mature Christ follower, we can all take a next step towards owning our faith. So how do we do that? Today, I wanna just take a few minutes to look at three ways to own your faith. Three things that I believe are essential if you're gonna take ownership of your faith. Number one, I have to develop my desire for God. To take ownership of my faith means I have to develop my desire for God. You won't truly pursue God unless you have a desire for God. Take David in the Old Testament, for example. You know, the skinny little shepherd boy who killed a giant with a slingshot and went on to become uh, the great king of the nation of Israel. And if you look at his life, you see David not only goes through a bunch of jacked up circumstances, but he also makes a bunch of jacked up choices. He commits adultery and then commits murder to cover it up. And, and yet he's a hero of our faith. He's even called a man after God's own heart. Why? Well, I'll let him tell you. Look at what he writes in Psalm 63.1. He says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Do you see the desire for God there? I mean, it's, it's almost like something you would write to a boyfriend and girlfriend. It's almost like this deep romantic longing. David had a deep faith because he had a deep desire for God. See, most of us think about our desires as being out of our control. You know, that we can't do anything about them. They're, they're just inherent. We have these inherent desires within us. And you're right, many of your desires are there inherently. You know, our desire for food or water or sex or, or whatever it is, our desire for sin. All of those things are, are just naturally in our lives. But did you also know that you can develop your desires? You can actually impact the things that you desire. My, it's like every romantic comedy you've ever seen, right? I mean, the storyline's the same. Boy meets girl, but they don't fall in love instantly. Normally, they're at odds with one another. They don't even like each other. They, they argue with each other. They get on each other's nerves. But over the course of the movie, as they spend time together, as they go through experiences together, all of a sudden within each of them, they have developed a desire for the other. And you can actually do that in your desire for God. You can develop it. You can make it stronger. I remember very early in my faith journey that, that I was spending time with Christians who were mature and they just had a desire 
to connect with God. I mean, they, they weren't getting up early in the morning to have their quiet time because they had to. They really wanted to. They wanted to spend time with God. They wanted to spend time in his word. They wanted to serve him and honor him with their life. And I didn't have that within me. I didn't want to get up early. I wanted to sleep in. And if I did do anything to connect with God, it was more out of obligation because I felt like I had to do it. And I thought, well, what's wrong with me? They have this great desire for God. Maybe I'm just not that good a Christian. Maybe I'm lacking something. But then I remember one morning when I was begrudgingly spending time in God's word because I felt like I ought to, like I should. I came across that great passage from Matthew 7 where Jesus says, ask and you will be answered. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. And so I just started asking God, create a deeper desire within me for you. And you know what he did? It didn't happen overnight, but as I began to spend more time with God, as I began to invite God into the experiences of my life, over time I found my desire for God increasing. See, the more you develop your desire for God, the more ownership you're gonna take of your faith and the more ownership you take of your faith, the deeper that faith is going to become. Now, it's important that you understand when I talk about desiring God, I'm talking about desiring him, not just things from him. We all desire miracles from God, but do we desire him more than the miracle? Many of us now, we, we wanna have an emotional experience with God. We wanna feel his presence and, and have this deeply moving experience with God. We wanna feel his presence and his love in our lives. But do we desire that more than we desire him? We want God's wisdom, but do we want the wisdom more than we want him. I mean, all of those things are great and God wants to give you all of those things. But until you desire him more than you desire what you can get from him, you're going to struggle in your faith. So let me ask you, what would this look like for you in your faith journey right now? What would it look like for you to develop your desire for God, because it's critical to owning your faith. Second thing we have to do to own our faith is that we have to deepen our commitments to God. I have to deepen my commitments to God. See, desire is the fuel you need to move towards God, but commitments are the steps you actually take to get closer to God. See, commitments are what's in our heart showing up in our hands and feet. Commitments where the rubber meets the road, where our wants turn into actions. Jesus says it this way in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. See, our true desires are not found in the words we say, but in the steps we take. And let me tell you, few things will have a greater impact on the direction of your life 
than your commitments. You are headed to what you are committed to. Your commitments can develop your life, they can destroy your life, but they will always define your life. You show me what you're committed to, I mean what you're really committed to, and I can tell you where you're probably going to be in 20 years. That's why commitments are such an essential part of our faith journey. As followers of Christ, our faith isn't built on statements or catechism answers or pledges. Our faith is built on commitments. Whether it's that first time committing your life to Christ or committing to publicly profess your faith through baptism or committing to serve or committing to give or committing just to show up and connect with other believers. It's our commitments where, is where we live out our faith. And we make those commitments not so that we can earn God's favor or get something from him. We make those commitments because of what he's already done for us. Notice what the Bible says in Romans 6, 13. Give yourselves completely to God. Now that's commitment. To give yourselves completely to God. Why? For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You know, over these next several weeks, we're going to be looking at a bunch of aspects of our faith, a bunch of different facets of our faith journey, and we're going to look at multiple next steps that we can take, and it's great to talk about those things, but they mean nothing if we don't do them, if we don't make and keep commitments to these decisions and direction that we say we want. So, so let me give you two questions to ponder as we get ready for this journey. The first question is this. What are you committed to? What are you really committed to? As I said, this pandemic has really given us an opportunity to look in the mirror and see what is our life really committed to? Because the things we're really committed to, we figured out a way to get done in the new normal. We've gotten creative. We've figured out a way to do the things that we're really committed to. And then my second question is this, that those things that you're committed to, is that really what you want your life to be about? Is that really what you want the direction of your life to be about? Because your commitments are gonna drive the direction of your life. Owning my faith means developing my desire for God, deepening my commitments to God, and then finally, determined to transform my thinking. If I'm gonna own my faith, I have to determine to transform my thinking. See, not only do I need to have the right heart, and not only do I need to make the right moves, but I need to make sure I'm thinking the right thoughts. You've heard that old saying before, right? So a thought, reap a deed. So a deed, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a lifestyle. So a lifestyle, reap a destiny. But it all starts with the way I think. That's why Paul said, if you want God to change your life, you have to let him change your mind. Notice Romans 12, 2. 
It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That, that verb tense that Paul uses for that word transform, it describes a continual ongoing process. It's not a one and done where you automatically think different. It's an ongoing lifelong process to changing the way you think. How do you do that? How do you change the way you think? By changing what you allow into your mind. And by changing the things that you allow to stay in your mind. What are you putting into your mind? What are you consuming? What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you focusing on? What are you ruminating about? What are the thoughts that are in your mind? Because your mind is like a computer. It will always process what's been inputted to it. Garbage in, garbage out. Godly in, godly out. That's why Paul tells us in Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Over these last 20 weeks, what have you been thinking most about? What has been dominating your thoughts? Has it been the fear and uncertainty about the future? Or is it about who God really is? Is it about all the politics? Or is it about God's purposes? Have you been thinking about all the things you can't do? Or focused on all the things you can do? can't change the circumstances around you, but you can change how you choose to think about them. And if you're gonna own your faith, if I'm gonna own my faith, then we gotta change some of our thinking. And so as we begin this step-by-step journey, we're all gonna have opportunities in the weeks ahead to take some next steps and I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know what that next step's gonna be for you. But I know that taking them is going to start with owning your faith. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for reminding us that you have allowed us to be able to choose daily, not just whom we will serve, but we are able to choose daily who we will follow, who we will trust. And thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. I pray over these next several weeks that you would move in my heart and in the hearts of our church family, that you would open our eyes to next steps, baby steps, big steps, and everything in between, that you would move and cause us to draw closer to you, to deepen our faith in you and to move closer to the full and abundant life that you desire for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.